Support for Around with Stephen Cole comes from Infinium Spirits, a family-owned spirits company specializing in the import, sales, and marketing of its distinctive portfolio of brands. Infinium Spirits, igniting brands. Welcome back, faithful listeners. I'm Stevie Mata. I'm T. Cole Newton. And coming to you pre-recorded for my Mid-City Bar 12-Mile Limit, it's time for Around with Steve and Cole. Welcome back, everybody. This is T. Cole Newton. I am here with my co-host, Steve Yamada, and a couple of great guests. So why don't you say, hey, Steve? Hey, Cole. Hey. It's great to be back here on the patio over 12 Mile Limit. I really like recording outside. It's kind of like we get a good feel for New Orleans. You know, we're not like stuck in a room. It's like, could be any room anywhere. But right now, it's like, we are in New Orleans in our quote-unquote fall season, which is like summertime anywhere else, I think, for the most part. Pretty much. October, I... I, I describe living in New Orleans during October makes living in New Orleans during August worthwhile. You're so right. Yeah. <laughs> I think the whole Four Seasons thing, I mean, we, we talked about this last episode with that whole, like, you know, Crawfish Saints, uh, Snowball, Mardi Gras season. Uh, I honestly think the seasons that are here are we have uh, two springs, which are really lovely. We have a very small potential temporary winter and then an unending summer and those are those are four seasons in new orleans for the did you part. see the meme that happened last year like hey y'all winter's gonna be held tuesday wednesday and thursday this week <laughs> <laughs> all righty y'all that's a perfect time to go ahead and introduce our two fantastic guests for this uh episode uh we're very lucky to have um two fantastic business owners and uh just contributors to the city here in new orleans mm-hmm. why don't we go ahead and introduce them starting with i'm amanda toops of toops meter and toops south Isaac Toops, Toops Meter, Toops South, Go Team Toops. Uh, well, so you guys, uh, we've Isaac, you and I have never, and Amanda, you and I have never worked together either. No. But we've worked very, we've got very, very close to working with each yeah, other. Sm- a bunch of bunch of small ties. A bunch of times, yeah. yeah that, a, a, when I was at Coquette, I was on the founding staff of Coquette. I don't know if we've talked about Coquette much on the podcast yet. Um, but Uptown Bistro, very nice. Still m- possibly my favorite restaurant in town, aside from Toops South and Toops Meter. <laughs> of course. Uh, of course. Um, I've got a knife and, to him, but you can't see it. And I worked there for <laughs> two years until I opened my own place. And right after I left, Isaac came on the staff at Coquette. For a week. For, for, a, for a week. week. <laughs> one week. Before... <laughs> And I before, still feel kind of, kind of bad about that <laughs> <laughs> for for screwing over Coquette or for leaving. No, no, or, no. I, guess I don't, I don't think I wasn't there long enough to screw over anybody. It that's was fair. just I got I got a much better opportunity that just happened to come right after it. So, so you know, yeah, and and also over at Coquette, we hired a bunch of people who had previously worked at, for, for for you when you were the manager of Wino. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh. We and, have a ton of really mutual, like a ton of mutual friends. Yeah. And we well, and we're friends, and we're, friends. And we're yeah. friends, but we also have a ton of mutual friends to not have worked together. Like, that's, yeah. yeah, that's a very New Orleans kind of thing. Like, I, yeah. I first met y'all because you <clears throat> own the house that Jeff Schwartz lives in. My good friend Correct. Jeff Schwartz, right? right? Yes. And y'all used to live in the other side right. of that shotgun, but you don't live there anymore. Right, we run out the other side now. So, yeah, uh, one of our best tenants. In fact, we've got actually a really bunch of amazing tenants. We've had mm-hmm. Kelly Fields was one of our first. Tenants. She oh, was wow. our first tenant. Our first yeah. Tenant. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> How do you get cool on that? That's pretty cool. Yeah, do you, I you guys really pimped out the other side though. I could, I, yeah, it must have been hard to leave. Did I? I heard you converted the kitchen into an opulent black sexy bath, bathroom. Sexy okay. bathroom. It was mine. It's got, got a chandelier. It's got a eight, yeah, it's got an eight foot sex tub. You know, <laughs> and there is, and it's like it's like I, slut red I'm with like a, a, like a crystal chandelier in there. <laughs> yeah, it was the 
original bathroom, but when we weren't planning on having children, I was, we were together 10 years before I got pregnant and we're like, I mean, I know how pregnancy works, so I shouldn't have been too surprised, but like, you know, I was still a little surprised. You're like, technically we know. We were like, oh, we're, we're not going to have children. I mean, I would have, it would have happened by now and, and we're fine with that. So when we bought the house, uh, I said, I never want to share a bathroom with you ever again, like ever <laughs> again. I love you. I want you in my bed, but I never want you in my bathroom ever again. It's like, a secret I'm, to I'm, good marriage. I'm going to tell you. I'm, I'm offended when he walks in my bathroom now. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was a shotgun house and I hated the fact that there was always the kitchen was always in the back so you have to walk through the entire house to get to the kitchen so when you have guests over you're like they're walking through your bedroom and that kind of stuff and you get used to that stuff in New Orleans but I was like I had the option of changing it so we moved the kitchen forward we got rid of a bedroom and made the actual historic it's like a 110 year old house the historic kitchen's got the sideboard sinks and everything still in there hmm. my bathroom <clears throat> It was beautiful. So, of course, five weeks after the renovation was done, I was pregnant. And I went, well, <laughs> shit. We only My have a one bedroom. I know. We only have one bedroom. Gentilly, here we come. Right. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Gentilly. So, uh, yeah, you got a couple kids now. You got yeah, Poppy we, was the first. Poppy, I don't think I've met your second kid. Ivy. Ivy. She might possibly be Gandhi reincarnated. She's just so kind and sweet. And thank God she was the second one because if... She was the first one. I probably had a bunch of kids, but Poppy's a real bitch, just like me. <laughs> so she is exactly like me. Like she'll say something. I'm like, girl. Oh, I would have said that. <laughs> so it was yeah, a good I thing l- that the sweet, sweet, sweet one came second. <laughs> yeah. I, st- I still live with three women. It's uh, rough. But we have three bathrooms. <laughs> yeah, with three bathrooms. <laughs> it's still not enough. I go outside to argue with the possums. <laughs> right on. Well, uh, I think this is this is cool. We're kind of jumping a, jumping ahead, and I, I love this like slice of life. Let's go ahead and start off like going back to the past. How did y'all first meet? Um, are y'all from the area? Or I'm from the area. Okay. Uh, I was going to college in Lafayette, and mm-hmm. I was in class with his best friend and also his roommate. Mm-hmm. Um, I went over to smoke weed with them after, as you do when you're in college, like you do, like you do when you're in college. And uh, Isaac had a girlfriend at the time, yeah, and we met. We met. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't in college, but we were. And we so met. Always do on our podcast. We just talk about exes the entire time. Yeah, <laughs> we met. Uh, we met that night at uh, my our mutual friend's house, and um, I remember the first time I ever laid eyes on him. It was like a physical connection. Like I, I remember the first time he ever touched me. He walked past me, and even though he had a girlfriend there, he drug his finger across the top of my knee, and like I felt like an electric shock go up my leg, and I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit!" <laughs> and they had, twenty years old in college. And she's get lovely, all you can. And, and actually, his ex girlfriend's lovely. She's really a, a lovely person. Mm-hmm. But they broke up two weeks later and I just moved right on me. Right on. <laughs> How long did it take? What was the was there any statute of limitations? No, there, I or? showed up at his job and got naked. Nice. Whoa. Yeah. This was what a, kind of this what, was where t- were you working? <laughs> He's like, yeah, where are you working? This is a TV tin. What is that? K- KLFY yeah, TV yeah, tin yeah. in and Lafayette. That's right. In the control room. That's right. You work nights. <laughs> I work nights. Basically, they left a 20-year-old Cajun in charge of the entire uh a news system. If that's not dumb, I don't know what is. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, buzz her in. And she came buzz me. So, you know. so so long before you were TV star Isaac Tubes, you were actually in TV. Be- was that before you were cooking professionally? Oh, yeah. Working that, in that was, TV uh, production? That was the, the, job, the, job, the two jobs before I started cooking. I started cooking at Prejean's uh, right there on um, right north of uh, Lafayette going toward Opelousas. And, uh, you know, traditional Cajun fare, fried food and gumbo and po' boys and whatnot. And um, after about cooking there, maybe a year, maybe, maybe oh, less I don't than that. Probably not even year. less than that. We just uh, Amanda's just like, you know what? You want to cook? Let's let's go to New Orleans. And I didn't have anything going on. I'm like, oh, that sounds good to me. And I wanted to get the fuck out of there. I love you, Lafayette, but it wasn't for me. Right. Sure. 
And are you you're, are you from Lafayette? Is that no, I grew up outside of New Orleans. I, when I was a kid, I lived in Metairie, and then we lived on the North Shore uh, after that until I was as soon as I could drive, I left. I was like, see ya, mm-hmm. North Shore. Love you guys, North Shore, too, but no. So How about you, you Isaac? Yeah. I grew up in uh, Rain, Louisiana. Uh, when I normally just say laugh it because no one knows knows where the hell rain is. That's rain with two ends, Louisiana. No, no one is. It's R A Y N E because you know. Oh, you know, that was the weird spelling. You know, okay. Southern Southerners like to just misspell, mispronounce everything, <laughs> misspell everything else. So you're, you're and you're straight up Cajun, like straight long Cajun. Back. Yeah, long back. My my family actually predates the Cajuns. Uh-huh. My family's been in South Louisiana for over 300 years. We actually predate the Cajun. So, pre Cajun. So, yeah, like a bunch of French people coming down the Mississippi and like, who the hell are you? And it's like, like we're, we're already here. Yeah, they were, they were, <laughs> let us show you yeah, things. Yeah, they were Swiss German. We're Swiss. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Everybody thinks we're, I, th- I thought we were French just just because. <laughs> yeah. Like by default. But Although all the grandparents spoke Cajun French and all yeah. that. They, yeah. they, they ingratiated themselves into the Cajun as soon as they got there, really early on. That is kind of the weird thing. Like, um, I, I worked at Restaurant <laughs> Revolution and uh, John Fulce was the, you know, celebrity like face of that restaurant so he'd always tell us about the history of cajun like you know yeah. like he kind of wrote a book about cooking it yeah, he wrote <laughs> a very important book about it uh but he, i always found it interesting that uh the german influence on louisiana really gets underscored a whole bunch right i mean that's like where i guess it's not as popular yeah <laughs> it's, not as pop- it's not but even in north uh, north rain there's there's germantown you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, roberts cove where they still pr- practice a lot of the traditional german there's a german fest out there yeah and that's you know a lot of people are very proud of it you just you don't hear about it a lot. I yeah. wonder but why. But it's in our I don't cuisine. Know. I mean, it's definitely Pork, there. Sausage. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like come it's, on. It's, it's sausage very, and beer. Well, yeah, the, get the hell out of here. The, the, the Deutsche House is doing Oktoberfest again, and it's back in Mid City for the first time awesome. in like a decade. So yeah. we, should, we, we should. The Wisner Bridge is open, you guys. The Wisner Bridge is open. Oh my God. No way. Because we, we live out there. Like, yeah, it's been like a year and a half. You don't have to cut through City Park. Right. The Wisner Bridge. And the girls, as we were driving, they're like, wow. It's this magical thing that shortens our trip. It's a bridge. So I'm looking. Looking forward to the sausage fest. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, like the one in Vienna, Oktoberfest. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Amanda, you have a great line about not being Cajun, but I'm Cajun by injection. That's the one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love that joke. Yeah, I, he steals you're the every, Cajun injector. He steals every one of my jokes. If I, could, I have a great joke and I'm so proud of it, he steals it and takes his own, and he'll inevitably do it on like a radio show or TV or somewhere, and like it's just stolen from me. You're yeah, a Cajun injector. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> it's too good. That's too good. It's a cooking joke and a sex joke. <laughs> <laughs> For those who may be unaware the Cajun injector that does not refer to Isaac's penis is a long <laughs> syringe where you can inject <laughs> turkeys, uh, whatever, turkeys yeah. or whatever other piece of meat you yeah. want to with a marinade so you're internally marinating yes. do you actually does so how is it not, so how is it not like my penis <laughs> <laughs> do you routinely have sex with meat <laughs> I don't routinely. like to be referred to as meat okay <laughs> I'm a woman yeah we just, got, we just got a new pool there's been a lot of injecting of meat <laughs> Shut does up. anyone actually use a Cajun injector though you're, you're I do. You're, you do yeah, you're, that's yeah. one of the techniques that you Ab- ab- absolutely um you know um I, i'd use it in conjunction with other things so especially if you want to you'll have time to brine something or you want to inject even more flavor into something that a brine simply can't do so even every once in a while when i fry a turkey and i don't fry a lot of turkeys i will not only brine it but then inject it with an even saltier solution okay and especially large cuts of meat Think huge cuts of meat like a steamship round or something that you do for the big festivals. Your injector is your your best friend. All right, cool. I've never. I I, I just assumed that was one of those like 
like joke like, thing. Just joke, yeah, yeah joke yeah. thing. It was like you see them on the shelf, and it was like, does anyone? No, yeah. I'm, I'm actually. You the, make your own stuff that goes in it, though. The, you're not the, using like the jar. Exactly. Thing. And there's a lot of championship barbecue guys who will inject their briskets. And if you want to like turn around a ham in four days instead of fourteen, use your Cajun injector. So it's a speedy up thing. Before they were manufacturing, it was, was it just like hypodermic needles that they were using. I mean, that's kind of like a like a <laughs> real fucked up thought, right? Yeah. It's, like, it's like, well, I'm the just old ones, use this. Yeah, my, my dad's got an old one that straight up like doesn't have holes in the sides. It is straight up jumbo syringe needle. Just a yeah, but it's like bigger around than this pencil. Yeah, I'm holding up a standard number two pencil <laughs> for reference. Okay. My dad's a dentist. There's a, there's a joke he likes to tell. He was screwing with somebody, and they were very afraid of getting uh, shot in the mouth with a needle. And sadistic Dr. Toops puts the cage injector <laughs> under his arm as he's working on him, and the patient cannot take his eyes off this giant needle. I don't know if this is true, but it sounds like something my dad would do. It does sound like do. your father. So the sadistic father Dr. Is evil yeah. The sadistic yeah. Dr. Yes. Toops. That sounds yeah. like a great like 1920s serial. <laughs> yeah. Have you met him? Have you met him? I've, I have yeah. not met the sadistic you Dr. You would Toops. never forget him. <laughs> Isaac comes by it honestly. He's actually the, the more normal one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, factor oh, that oh. in. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about, okay, you came to New Orleans, both of you together. You moved here from around Lafayette or in yeah. Lafayette where you, you were in school and you were from, essentially. Yeah. And then what, what, was your, what was your first work experience, both of you, here in New Orleans once well, you moved Isaac, back? I just give for reference, Isaac had never lived in the city limits till he moved to New Orleans with me. Okay. Yeah. So this so was your first country boy. Country, country boy in the big city. Country boy in the big city. Any any like hot takes, first impressions? What oh, did you think of it? Oh well, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure you'd visited. I've, I've been in Orleans yeah, several times, yeah, but course. most of the time it was either the French Quarter or just like you go to the museums or you take the streetcar. So never really hung out uptown or downtown. You just kind of get the tourist experience. You go to the. I've been to the French Market a whole lot when I was a kid. You know, uh, normal kids when they're when they're in eighth grade they go to Washington D.C. Well, Cajuns go to the French Market. <laughs> yeah, that makes you sense. You know, you don't go that far. Uh, but my first experience, this is kind of a story in of itself, I uh, do two stages, back to back. I do my first stage at Commander's Palace. Cool. It's like, it's the only restaurant I know. So mm-hmm. I don't know any restaurants. I don't know anybody. And I do a stage. I'm cutting apples, slice my thumb open. Have a near panic attack. Have to go run to the bathroom, stitch myself up, splash water in my face, talk myself out of said panic attack. <laughs> go finish the stage. They offer me a job. Cool. All right, and, I'll go, and then I, next day I'm like, okay, I got to honor this stage. I'm going to Emeralds Del Monaco. Go to Emeralds Del Monaco, do a stage. Don't cut my thumb. <laughs> and there's a lot less people in the kitchen. Well, so I said, just make this like this ultimate decision based off this sli- sliced finger apple. That you know what? I'm going to work at Emeralds Flagship. Two weeks later, I find out that I'm not working at Emeralds Flagship. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks later, I find out I'm working at Emeralds Del Monaco. I'm like, what do you mean this isn't Emeralds? Like, dude, this is Emeralds Del Monaco. It's like he's got two. And he's like. Dude, he's got three. <laughs> it in, wasn't Nola, in New Orleans. So no. I'm like, oh, but you know, it, it'd be the best mistake of my life. Hmm. Yeah, I worked. I worked there for ten years. I worked there for a freaking decade. I'm wow. sorry, in that the company a for a decade. Time. Jumped most of the time was in Delmonico. We were very young. We uh, we we moved here right after nine uh, eleven. Like mm-hmm. literally a month later, we moved to New Orleans. And wow. it was it was an all star lineup. So it was me, Spencer Minch, Bart Bell. Uh, Little Chuck, what was Chuck's name? He, oh, all know. guys that all still work around it in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it was great. And we all just kind of come up and rose to, to the ranks yeah. together. Delmonico, I would say, is still 
I mean, I, I think Emeralds is a great restaurant. I, I, yeah. it's, it's held up very well over time. Not, not a lot of restaurants can offer that level of consistency. Um, and, uh, Merrill's good. Uh, I don't think I've ever been to, to Nola, which is the, was the third that you were referring mm-hmm. to at the time. But Delmonico, I think, is just, it's an exceptional, exceptional restaurant. It really is. And yeah. it always has been. It always has mm-hmm. been. And, uh, it's got a great chef at the helm. A good friend of mine, Anthony, right now is doing great stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always going to be my favorite, but I'm obviously biased. Na- yeah. Naturally. Yeah. <laughs> naturally. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was when I first had your food was because but when I was at Coquette, you you had a lot of friends that were there were a lot of people that were kind of doing work at both, so and they were sort of floating between the two kitchens part time in both, and so I was like oh Delmonico, I didn't it never really occurred to me because the Emerald's name I I'd, I'd, I'd kind of incorrectly assumed that it would be sort of corporate and kind of. Mm-hmm basic for lack of a better term right so i hadn't really given it an opportunity until i knew more people that were were over there and were like no you should really come check us out and i went over and i was like this is this is the, the i still think probably the best steak in town yeah and, and the, the charcuterie board is, yeah. is is phenomenal they were and, really some of the leaders bringing charcuterie into new orleans which was isaac and them during that time in that kitchen it wasn't i mean there was not charcuterie boards all over really would have been one of the first i mean i feel yeah. like it was there and then like once uh, mm-hmm. Dominica opened up, it kind of yeah. like yeah, that, but that was go. years later. Yeah, much, much, much yeah. later. But like that kind of was it. They were really on on with the national trend. I feel with that, and then everybody, like every single restaurant that opened up at that point, right. had to have charcuterie, which yeah, is yeah. rough because which some is, people which is do rough not do good charcuterie. No, they it, do a lot of basic bitch charcuterie. Uh, I'm like oh, really, yeah. Ooh, yeah, no, ooh, I was gonna say something nice. No, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of basic no, bitch charcuterie around town. Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't taste like anything. And there's not as much as it used to be. It used to be everybody mm-hmm. freaking had just a mediocre one. Yeah, yeah. here's and my terrine. Here's my pate. Yeah, right. Here's my leftovers. And, uh, <laughs> right. And actually, another funny story is like why we don't have any cured charcuterie at the meadery. Everybody assumes we do, but there's not a single cured item. Mostly because a Cajun would never hang something outside. You hang a sausage outside in Cajun country, you get a rotten sausage. There, there's no culture of curing in the Cajun. There's smoking. There's confine. There's head cheese and things like that. And there's pâtés. And there's obviously lots of sausage. And there's boudin. There's cracklings. But you, you know, and mousses and whatnot. But you're never gonna find a, a cured sausage. Also, because my charcuterie box that I did have when we opened up the meadery failed on me, and I lost five hundred dollars for the charcuterie, mm-hmm. and never looked back. Yeah. So you get 100% fresh charcuterie at so, the So it's a resentment and authenticity yeah. combined. Oh, oh, yeah. Another happy accident. That's pretty <laughs> so. much my entire cooking career. Like, whoops, and land on my feet. I've uh, I've opened a couple restaurants, uh, just a couple restaurants. Oh, in my you know, lifetime. no bigs. <laughs> so uh, to trying to be as anonymous as possible. There's one restaurant that I opened up. Um, we were cleaning out the liquor closet uh, and what had been the liquor closet beforehand. It was a weird liquor closet because there's a, a, a um, little uh, window unit that had been like they cut out and put a window unit like at the top of the door to the liquor closet. There's a really heavy lock on the top of it too. And then there were uh, those uh, shelvings, those wire shelvings was screwed into the ceiling and there was like bits of string coming off of there. And I was like, what the hell is this? You know, and they were using it as their wine closet beforehand. And uh, I, f- I ran into somebody who used to work at this place beforehand. And I was like, so what's going on with your liquor closet? It's like, oh, that's where they used to cure all of their meats. They used to smoke inside the garbage room and they would hang their sausages over all the bottles of wine in this room that was like not refrigerated, not temperature controlled, except for like this other thing. And then they would lock it in case like the health inspector or anybody showed up. So it's like, <laughs> oh, that's that's a utility closet. We, we don't have the key to that one. And I was I, just like, wow, that's, that, that's, that's one of those things like I want to burn this room to the ground. After that, we just stripped everything out of there. Yeah. Started, started you, don't, you, you don't know what kind of funks the walls. You get to have control temperature stuff nowadays. That's, it's, it's pretty paramount. scary. Hmm. 
But oh. our ancestors didn't die, so I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they're fine. Maybe just hard dead. Our ancestors died at 30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, life expectancy yeah. is a uh, lot longer now. Uh, how about you, Amanda? What was your what was your oh, coming you know, to New Orleans? Um, I, coming back to New Orleans. Yeah, I, um, I had always worked with kids, so um, I put myself through college being a nanny for disabled children and that kind of stuff. So I was always that it always it worked around school schedules and that kind of stuff. When I was in high school, all the way through college, so I wanted I desperately didn't want to be a nanny anymore. I was like, because made me not want to have kids. It was just like when you're raising, you're you know essentially re- helping to raise other people's kids. You're kind of like. Fuck this. <laughs> like, uh-uh. So, uh, but I l- still love kids. So I got my dream job, which was I wanted to work at the Children's Museum. And I was like 21 Uh-oh. years old. So I was like, it was so fun. Yeah. We had such a good time. And like, I would lead all the the tours and that kind of stuff with the children. We And like, it was such a tight crew. We got drinking afterwards in all of our Children's Museum outfits. They'd yell at us for like going out to bars in our, <laughs> and our, and our like That's uniforms. New Orleans real right yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, we play with your kids. We're wasted at the bar. We're not the children. Yeah. We're okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I got into, and then I uh, managed Magic Box on Magazine, which is an exceptional, um, especially toy store oh, for several Foods, years. Yeah. yeah, and it was just it got to the point where Isaac and I just never saw each other, and it was really tough. It was real so tough. The day people, night people schedule. Exactly. Yeah, two ships passing in the night. I mean, mm. it was essentially that. So um, I was like, well, what could I do that I could work nights? And I almost bought the toy store. She was going to sell it to me, and I was like, we would wow never see each other at that point, you know, <laughs> um, and. I'd always, you know, he's working nights, obviously. And I was like, I really like wine. I really like it. Like, I like reading about it. I like thinking about it. I like drinking it. Like, you know, I really like drinking it. <laughs> so I started just to study and study and study. And I, went, I was like, let me take a professional wine class. Let me find someone who's doing that. And I randomly met Brian Berkey over the internet, who owns Wino on Chapatulas. And he, in my opinion, is one of the most thoughtful uh wine minds in new orleans he really is so hyper intelligent and so good at communicating how the hows and whys of wine like to the lay person and to the professional he really is that good at it you're i don't wa- want to welcome ego. brian yeah you're he's welcome. got a huge ego already <laughs> brian um, keep, it, keep it down dude i know but he i went to he was open up this exceptionally cool concept no one had it in new orleans which was called the the enomatics and so we had because of this gas-based system we had 120 wines by the ounce that you could taste so you could really walk through there and taste all things that you would never chateau Akim, that you would never be able to afford to buy a bottle of but for 30 bucks you could taste a half ounce of it and you just go i've tasted chateau Akim for you wine geeks out there not to mention the best acronym on the planet yeah, wine over, right? Wine over. Um, <laughs> so, so good. Uh, and so he taught me everything I knew. I started taking professional wine classes with him. And then I, I mean, I knew, I knew retail. He didn't know retail. He didn't know how to sell stuff. He knew how to talk to you about wine. And, and I knew how to sell stuff. And I didn't know enough about wine. So he really, like, in, we intensely worked together for four years straight. And, like, he was so, you know, giving with his knowledge and his time about that. And I wound up teaching some of the classes and stuff like that, which I was really proud of that I got to that point where I was able to teach people about wine in a way that made them feel good and not intimidated. So I think that, as we all know, about liquor, wine, and food, all of us sitting around here, anytime somebody can feel entitled about something, they will. And it's and it's 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 the same in wine. It's the yeah. same in liquor. It's the same in food. And, you can't talk to a chef like that, right? <laughs> and I, just, I, I, I just don't get down like that. Like it's for the people, man. It's all a good time. Yeah. I mean, I went. I was in college for fashion. It was the same thing there too. Art, anything, you know. Anytime someone can feel like an entitled douchebag, they will. And so I really loved that I was able to, you know, I have a, a pretty fun personality that I was able just to communicate with people in a way that made them feel less intimidated by the whole process of drinking wine and, you know, maybe pairing wine or, you know, even learning about wine. Yeah. So 
It's interesting to um on that to kind of piggyback on that point. Um, I always think that in our industries and all these kind of things you were just talking about, it's that thing where a little bit of knowledge is the Dangerous. worst possible. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> it's like I read this one book about wine, so I'm clearly an expert. Let clearly. me tell you. Oh no, people about walk in and be like, I'm from California. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Oh, where I, the wine is. We <laughs> have a little bit of knowledge. I heard a really good joke the other day. I was bartending, somebody came in and was, they were just chatting amongst themselves, but they were they were working I think bartenders in a wine bar, and one of them was like, Hey, how do you identify a, a first level sommelier? The answer is, oh, don't worry, they'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. It's a double-edged sword because when Food Network came out, yeah, everybody's into food now, but everybody's a chef now too. Yep. Mm. So, so it it came with both. Yeah, a lot of more people want to, are more adventurous. But boy, everybody knows, you know, especially when they started with the. Uh, I'd like my steak in between mid rare and medium. <laughs> medium hurt. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a common thing if people out there or if, if you're that type of person who likes to order temperatures that don't exist you're always going to get the higher temperature so chef, a chef has spoken to you <laughs> I also, so if i say mid-rare to rare i'm just getting mid-rare uh-huh okay every, so i also every time. think it, like piggybacking on the back of that what came with the celebrity chef thing and also you know top chef and all these different shows is that we get kids coming to the restaurant and like they just they don't understand that this is a grueling industry that you're going to probably not be paid very well. You're going to work really long hours. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to work really long hours. It's going to be high stress, mm. low thanks. I mean, you know, that, that is it. I mean, we treat our people like family. We're, we're on the different side of it because we've been in industry so long. Um, but I think that that culture has also brought about some whiny fucking kids who came right. out of like hundred thousand dollar culinary educations who can't fucking cook. That's mm. a great point as well. So my sister, um, my, my sister really struggled in high school. Um, she, uh, was never very confident about her academic abilities. Um, and she never didn't know what she was going to do. And in her, either her second or third year of high school, she fell into a culinary program at the cool. high school that we went to. And it was a really good one. Like they ran a little staff restaurant for that, like for the teachers to go to and parents could come in and buy meals and she showed a lot of promise so her mentor there or whoever her teacher was was like hey you need to pursue this This is a big be a good thing and my dad's a chef so we kind of grew up in restaurants and my dad kind of hates it now that we're all in the services my brother is a brand rep up in nashville i'm a bartender and my sister is uh is a is a chef cook whatever yeah i wouldn't tell my kids to get into it yeah right (laughs) so my, my dad's like hitting his head against the wall right now i'm sure but uh so my, my sister's teacher is like, oh, you really need to pursue this. Uh, there's this new uh, culinary institute, Johnson & Wales, that just opened here in Charlotte. Uh, you should really look into this. And she got a little bit of a scholarship. And end of the day, I, I just, I don't, I, I think she got a lot out of it. She got a bachelor's degree, which is good. She'll always have that at the in the end. But it's like $40,000 a year. Like, this is a oh, yeah. serious, like, private institution oh, yeah. that, like, people are paying a ton of money for. And I always weigh this idea of, like, um, and I, I would never, never fathom trying to speak for her. I would never do that. She'd hit me and it would hurt. But uh, <laughs> um, I just don't know. Like, I don't think that, like... And you're you making can, 10 bucks an hour when yeah, you Well, you can get this, like, book education. You're going to be buried in debt. You're never going to make be able to pay off that debt if you're just working, like, as an hourly position. Maybe at some point you'll have some sort of chef position where you can pay for that. But on top of that, too, like, if you just, like, go and start working in kitchens, you'll pick up most of that knowledge, I think. I'm, I'm just my opinion. I'm, I'm pretty sure, right? I mean, I didn't go to school. Right? People assume I did. Yeah. I just started at the bottom. and But I, I did come from, this, I got a, you know, asterisk background. My entire family cooks. Mm-hmm. So my dad cooks. He's a dentist. My mom cooks. My grandparents cooked. My uncles cooked. My brothers and sisters. We all know food. And my father's especially very adventurous guy. 
So always, you know, getting the new stuff. He was the first guy to get, there was only one Vietnamese place in like Alexandria somewhere. He'd go there, stock up and like, we were like the six year old kids, like make forced to eat kimchi back in the day when kimchi wasn't cool, man. <laughs> wasn't always cool. So cool now. Like it was, oh, yeah. oh, forty cabbage. Oh, thanks, Dad. <laughs> but he's, you know, uh, he's, uh, my family is very responsible for a lot of the culinary upbringing I already had. Mm-hmm. So culinary school, no. But you know, in kind of kind of same way as your sister, like academically, eh, I still can't sit still in a classroom. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when I'm like teaching something, <laughs> right? Um, I've just always been that way. I'm probably a little minor ADD or whatever, just stir crazy. Minor. minor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I didn't know how to work. Work is uh, goal orientated. It's like, ah, do something. Ah, next. And it worked well for my brain. So I've always, and, and, and I have a good memory mm-hmm. on the same time of that. So I've kind of always remembered everything. So if you don't go to school, don't worry about it. Just go put your head down and go work. If you do want to get into this industry, and it is very rewarding to get on the other side of it, Amanda. But, oh, you, yeah. oh, but it is grueling. <laughs> But it is highly rewarding. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I've got a little bit of, uh, you know, a status nowadays, and it's probably not common. But, um, but I, you're like the Michael Jordan of like the. Let's not institute. get that. Um, <laughs> back that the fuck up. How about, how about the Mugsy Bows? We're not, we're not blowing <laughs> up. What about, what about, no. the, what about the Dr. J? Let's no, not go. We're not blowing up Isaac's ego at this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I always really liked about the service industry, though, is it doesn't matter if you've got. Uh, if you went to acting school at Juilliard or if right. you have a business degree from Harvard or or if you have a culinary degree from the finest culinary institute in the world, it doesn't matter. It's a pure meritocracy. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you, can, you walk in, everyone starts at the bottom. Mm-hmm. No one walks into, you know, gets out of school and gets a great job. No, you know? you're not you, a sous chef when you get out of like, No, no. no. You, everyone starts at the bottom. I think they you, tell you, them that, though, is one of the problems. Yeah, yeah. There's been the, some lawsuits because of it. Really? Yeah. But it's but it's the same way for for servers for bartenders. I am going to disagree with you on the one. It is not that way for bartenders right you know, now. You don't think it's a meritocracy? N- absolutely not. Oh, no, there are, there are give it to me. Give me the guys. There are people yeah, right now. I mean, me. right now, like so with craft cocktails becoming like there was this boom in craft cocktails, and now there's just the normalization of craft cocktails. Right. So it's like it's every expected. restaurant exactly. Yeah. It's like when you go someplace, I, I need to be able to get a French seventy five at this establishment, or else it's not any good. Um, so I think there's a huge demand for bartenders, and it's very easy to fake your way into being a bartender, right? And a couple books, a couple videos online, and you could like kind of fake it. And you know, I we we talked about this before on this podcast that you know we undercut ourselves so much, like in this capacity. It's just like you know we don't ask for the money that like you know you need to get paid to like you know do a certain thing, and because of that, like you know you're going to go with like the cheapest option. If somebody wants to work for $5 an hour and do inventory and ordering and run your bar and everything like that, that's a very appealing, you know, prospect for most restauranters, I think. And I, I think because of that, it's like you don't have to have a ton of experience. You could bartend for a year and also you're running your own program, you know? Yeah, yeah I don't need prima donnas at any of our restaurants. Mm-hmm. We need team players and hard workers. It's, it's, it's the same with cooks. In fact, uh, a good example of this is uh, Courtney Helen Schmidt, our uh, sous chef at Meadery. Uh, five years ago, she started as the dishwasher. And uh, very early on, she was like, what's this? I want to learn how to make it. Uh, chef, I would love to be, can I be the prep cook? Oh, yes. Oh, are you good at prep cook? Can I be the pantry cook? And move up, up, up. Now she's second in command of my uh, of our original restaurant. So hard work pays off. You don't need training. What you need to do is get in there and sweat and pay attention. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Yeah, and, and and I actually uh, to say something else positive about our industry. I get high when we get busy and like I'm in the shit, like I'm in the weeds. Like I feel like I've done cocaine. I'm like mm. I'm so like yes, let's do this. Like yeah. I am, I feel good. I'm like in sniffing a little. I'm like let's go. Right. Like, <laughs> like yeah. Let let's run it. Like we're in the weeds. We're gonna get like we're gonna get all these tables set and we're gonna get everything right. And we're gonna you know, like I get high from it. I get high from business. Like I am very stimulated by business. Perfect. Well, yeah. since we're on this high, I think it's a good time to talk about coming down a little bit. Uh, Give we're me a drink. Jump to our uh, our brand new season two segment uh, where we like to jump behind the bar. Uh, I think Cole's got a little clip here for me from one yeah, of our. Yeah, I was doing yeah. some light oh, oh, clip. Oh, I, I was googling Isaac earlier. One is one. Who doesn't? Do. What right? stupid shit have you got me doing? Yeah, really. I've got you. It, people might not know that in addition to being a, a celebrated chef. Isaac is a bit of an amateur mixologist. So here's a clip from the uh, from the Bravo web series, Isaac Takes On. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about Isaac Takes On first so we can get some context? Yeah, in? you know what? It was, um, it, was, it was a little short series, web only. It was those little short videos of me just pretty much kind of doing very top chef style stuff, but a much more lighthearted and really more focusing on learning some stuff. So I went up against a sushi master to make a sushi roll. I wasn't going to win that one. <laughs> but, you know, but I, but I did go up against, you know, a master pastry chef from Germany and whipped his ass. <laughs> Sorry, Rodolph. <laughs> He's not listening to this. I, I don't think so. I don't know. We, I think we've got a download in Germany. <laughs> Rodolph is not listening. Rodolph, Rudolph does not care. Was, this angry. On, uh, was this all on the uh, ship? Uh, this was uh, mostly done the ship and so on the islands. So we went to, um, God, where did we go? Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. And we went to uh, St. Croix uh-huh. and a couple other places. Anyway, but it was it was a lot of fun. And I got to meet up with my um, my nemesis, no, my good friend Jeremy Ford, who ended up winning the season of Top Chef I was on. I battled him in the finale of uh, Isaac Takes On and beat him for a little retribution. <laughs> but no, uh, Jeremy Ford is actually a, a good, good friend of mine. So it was all in fun and games. All right. Well, here is... Uh, Isaac Troops from Isaac Takes On uh, battling extreme bartending. <laughs> so the, your your opponent, to set the context, has just finished making a drink that he called the Blue Happiness, uh, which was a, a <laughs> it was a, a vodka. And Do you hypnotic. see what I mean about bartenders? <laughs> I was trying to make a point earlier. Right. Well, it was it was a, it was a vodka and hypnotic based cocktail, and then this is. Happiness. Yeah, you even flare your hands. Yeah. All right, now I want to try my hand in making a cocktail. I make drinks all the time. They just have to be bourbon on the rocks. I want to make a cocktail that speaks to my taste, but I think the crowd will like too. Start with some aged rum, almond syrup, a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of orange liqueur, a little bit of lime juice for that balance we were talking about. I do like a little bit of the ice chunks. I am going to garnish with a little bit of mint. Before you put the mint, just give it a little bit of a slap. Try this. It's a variation of a Mai Tai. I call it Mai Toops. You know, I call it Mai Toops. That's my last name. And I'm horrible at naming things. All right. We're going to hop behind the bar real quick. Well, Steve is. He's going to make a drink for you today, inspired by our meat-centric friends from our meatery. Uh, Steve, what do you have in store for us for for, uh, for this episode's cocktail? Well, it's the second time hopping for me to be able to hop behind the bar, and it's another fantastic guest who appreciates their whiskey, so I'm going to make another whiskey cocktail that's really going to focus on our fantastic sponsor brand, uh, Templeton Rye. We're going to throw in a little touch of Fernet in this, too. Um, for those of you who are familiar with craft cocktails, this is a variation on a Toronto cocktail, uh, which is most simply just going to be Fernet, uh, rye whiskey, and a little bit of simple syrup. I like putting maple syrup in that personally. I don't know about you, 
goal, but with a Toronto. You're I just a think, madman. I just think maple syrup should go in a Toronto cocktail, but maybe that's my uh, Canadian bias in place. I'm not Canadian, but I have bias for Canadians. I'm going to make Can- a drink. You just like stereotyping Canadians. <laughs> there it is. All right. <laughs> let me uh, go ahead and get started with this drink. So uh, we're going to start off with two ounces of our Templeton rye. Nice whiskey forward cocktail for our, yeah, our whiskey drinking meat friends. Absolutely. This is going to be a stirred cocktail as well. So this is going to our stirring glass. Uh, we're going to throw in a quarter ounce of Fernet. Fernet's got a very uh, big minty, menthol-y kind of profile, so you don't need a ton of it to make uh, to get that flavor into your cocktail. So just yeah. kind of a little bit of this into the drink. And then we're using a local ingredient next. It's going to be uh, Steen's cane syrup. Uh, it's a nice sweetener. doesn't have a high bricks content to it. Uh, it. They make a molasses as well. The molasses is going to have all those funky notes. We don't really want to add that to the cocktail to detract from the two things that we've added into the cocktail. This will just add a subtle sweetness to it and also keep it grounded in a nice southeast Louisiana kind of style cocktail. So Steve, when you use Steen's cane syrup, do you tend to uh, thin it out a little bit to make it workable with water like we do with our honey syrup here uh, at the bar, or do you just pour straight cane syrup into your cocktail? I would say if you're looking to do in volume, uh, it would make a lot of sense to make a syrup out of this. That way, also, you don't have to work the cocktail as much because you don't need to get that dilution into it, uh, which a syrup would help out a lot with. Uh, but just if you're making one at home, uh, just having some Steen's cane syrup and not making a syrup out, then you don't have to worry about spoilage or anything like that. Now we're going to add a little bit of ice into here. Give this drink a nice stir. All right, all right. Just looking to bring the temperature down. This drink doesn't have to be super cold as well. Uh, That's kind of the way I like my old fashions and my Manhattans. Uh, A drink that's going to be a little bit on the warmer side uh, really kind of highlights the uh, the whiskey and all the other notes that we have inside of this drink. Yeah, my old fashioned is a drink that I don't I don't actually stir in advance. I think we have a different technique there, but I'll pour mine directly over a large piece of ice and then stir it lightly in the glass. And it starts off largely undiluted and uh, not, not super cold. And then mm. as you continue to drink, it'll become colder and, uh, and, and, and wetter, I yeah. guess. That's a great point, Cole. Uh, I think if you do have large format ice, which is super easy to do at a home or in your bars as well, if you get the uh, specific silicon molds for it and you just have those on hand. Here at 12 Mile, we have these silicon cupcake molds, I believe, mm-hmm. that, we double, uh, that we double insulate so the ice comes out pretty much clear for the most part in these really lovely heart shapes. It's a really nice touch in the bar. But uh, at the bar, I wouldn't stir this in a separate glass. I would just make this in the glass like you were saying, Cole. Right. Anyways, uh, we're going to take this and we're going to garnish this. Uh, I've got a slice of bacon here to garnish this with in honor of uh, Toops Meadery. Uh, I would say if I was at Toops and I was having this drink, I would get a side of their absolutely delicious Rions there, which are these delicious candied little pork pieces. They're really fantastic. But uh, that's kind of what I had them in mind when I garnished this with a piece of bacon. Unfortunately, it's a Monday right now, and Toops is closed. <laughs> ah, ah. As it is. As Anyways, it is. Uh, this is uh, going to be a cocktail I call the Acadian Cocktail. Uh, enjoy. All right. Oh, and for those who may be unaware, Acadian, uh, those are the, the, the peoples of the northeastern U.S., the southeastern Canada, uh, around Maine and, and thereabouts, who moved down, the, down south and became the Cajuns. So that's, that's sort of where, we, where, we, uh, where, where Steve came from with this name, at least. So it's that, it's that Canadian meets Cajun, sorry, yeah, that mix-up. Right on. There we All go. right, let's get back to the episode. All right. Thank you for uh, indulging us behind the bar. All right, and we're back, drinks in hand here at Around with Stephen Cole with our two fantastic guests, Amanda and Isaac Toops. Uh, we were covered a bunch of uh, topics in our first segment, and we're just going to dive straight back in here. So um, I believe we left off 
talking about, um, you know, Isaac over at Delmonico, and we've settled down in New Orleans at this point. So where are we at after that? After after 10 years, uh, 10 years at Delmonico, is that what you said? 10 years at Delmonico, 10 years with the company, most of that at Delmonico. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm uh, the chef at the time, Spencer Mish, great friend of mine. I didn't think he was going anywhere. So it's like, you know what? It's time for me to go out and, and be a chef. And I got an opportunity. Uh, Katie LaCour called me up and said, you know, we're looking for a new chef for Cuvée. And Cuvée was one of my absolute favorite restaurants back in the day. I thought, you know, back in the day, Bobby Acavone was doing some of the best food in New Orleans, hands down. And I was like, wow, I'm, I'm honored. I'm excited. And so, so I jumped to the opportunity. And, um, you know, it, it didn't work out. Uh, place got closed down and Isaac had to go find another job, man. So. <laughs> Yeah, that it's was tough some... because like you're at, we've been we've had such consistency in our jobs for so long. Like we've been mm. com- we're company people. That's the right. way we've always been. Like we had health insurance and all of that, and we jumped over to Cuvée because we thought it was we made the decision together. And um, I was pregnant like weeks later with no health insurance at that point. So Ooh. yeah, and, and his paychecks were bouncing. Jeez, oh, I, I, I won't talk bad about those guys that they've had. You know, en- enough's happened, and we're all cool nowadays. Sure, but but you know, I, I I did jump on a sinking ship essentially. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they, it was, and it was through no fault of any, the the food at all. I mean, the, the food uh, there was always. I, there. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> there was some, uh, yeah, you know, there was some uh, legal, financial, financial, financial and legal issues. I mean, that and, were... and, and I'll even throw myself under a bus a little bit. Sure, I, I there were some things I needed to learn. You know, I, was I ready for executive chef? Yes and no, but I, I figured those things out pretty quickly. Right. It's kind of the same when you open up a restaurant. Do we know what we're doing? No, but we're scrapping. We figured it out pretty damn quick. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Man, I should I should take some notes. I'm seven years in, I'm still figuring this. Out. Oh yeah, no, we're still figuring it out. Yeah, yeah you're uh, almost done renovating the place. <laughs> yeah, soon cross most of it off the list at this point. Um, okay, so you were at uh, Cuvée, and then that's when you hopped over to uh, Coquette. Was it was after Cuvée, right? Yeah, for okay. a week. Yeah, yeah. For, for, for a week. week. Yep. <laughs> and then you left. What? I mean, then you left Coquette to open Saint Marie. Open Saint Marie, which is where Johnny Sanchez. Which is where Johnny Sanchez is. So, I guess you're going from like long-standing restaurant that's been an institution in New Orleans since well before it was an Emerald's place. Delmonico has been a New Orleans institution. So you went from there to a place that closed down within months and then to Coquette, which I hope it remains uh, or becomes a New Orleans institution. It's only been open for about 10 years now. But that's a good restaurant. 10 years is established. They're not slowing down. No, they're not going anywhere. The bigger point with that, too, is there was three or four restaurants in that space beforehand. Oh, yeah. Like anytime somebody says a location is cursed, you know, like, oh, you'll never get it. If the restaurant is good, people will go there. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we're. Koshan is. Let's say where Koshan is. That's a restaurant dead zone. There's no parking over there. People typically wouldn't go over there, but there's a great PR machine, and you know that place has stayed popular. It always is going mm-hmm. to be popular, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so institution sinking ship institution. <laughs> when you say it like Marie, that, this is depressing. <laughs> I know, right? What a loser! Wow. It's, it's on and off. But then, then the next spot after Saint Marie was that when you jump ship. From St. Marie to do your own thing. Well, let me which is now let me jump in because so it, it was part back of this. And forth. I come back into the picture here. Oh, welcome now, back, Amanda. Thank you. <laughs> I am now days away from giving birth um, to our first child, and it doesn't work out at St. Marie. They let him go, and I'm literally about to give birth in five days. And um, we we I remember he came home and like he was just devastating. I mean, you tell your your wife who's nine months pregnant. I just lost my job. Like he's never been fired from anywhere his entire life. It was a very emotional moment for us. So we, uh, we drive out to the lakefront. I remember sitting there and I'm like hugely pregnant, uncomfortable. It's March. And, uh, 
And I was like, we don't have to do this anymore. We can leave the industry. This is our moment. If we want to, we can leave the industry. We can go get like fucking desk jobs or some shit. Although we're not qualified to do shit else. I mean, we're like, <laughs> you know, like sell hawking shit and, and pouring wine for people and cooking foods about all we got. Um, our joke is always we're not smart enough to do anything else. So it, it was a harrowing moment. Though. Yeah, our uh, family crest is too dumb to be scared. Um, so <laughs> I, that's, that's, that's my next tattoo. Somebody get us get us that crest. Uh, <laughs> so we uh, we got some money from BP and we because of Cuvée and mm. we got about thirty five thousand dollars. And I was pregnant, and I wasn't gonna be able to work for a little while. Though Brian wanted me to come back, but um, you know you know how it is once you have a baby. Uh, most women don't go back to that same job. And, um, and we sat there and we really like looked at ourselves and was like, what do we want to do? Like, we just had some really nasty experiences. And I think it really taught Isaac and I stood there like for a second and looked at each other and was like, we're going to open our own place. We know exactly how to treat people. We know exactly how we want to be treated. We know how hard we work and I'll let you take it over chef. Yeah. And, and at the time I was like, like this, this is the one time like, if, if I want to get out of this, this is the time. Is it me? You know, you have these self doubts when you get like back to back, horrible experiences go, what if I was the problem? What if I'm not cut out to be a chef? And I had this big, you know, moment moment in the desert with the devil. And if I figure out, like, no, 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 I want to, I still want to do this for the rest of my life. And it was, it didn't take much hesitation at all. It's like it just took me a day, just like pissing and moaning, and probably three months at Whole Foods. <laughs> took me three hours. So I worked. Oh yeah, you were at the meat counter. I was at Whole Foods. I was at the seafood counter at seafood Whole Foods. Counter. And you want to talk about an experience with customers? It's like ah. I shouldn't be allowed to talk to customers because <laughs> I almost beat several people to death with a frozen piece of fish. <laughs> like, it, I was shocked you made it that long. I, I was shocked. Yeah, was, we had the I, nest I near, egg. I so, near tried to get fired. I yeah, near tried. We had the nest egg, so he was really just trying to make the mortgage while we were trying to get open the restaurant. Mm. You know. Yeah, I had people talk to me in a manner that like you don't know me. Do you have any particular standout incidences of like? Oh, I like the one where the lady made you reweigh the fish, or she asked for like that piece of fish cut to like within an ounce. Yeah, yeah. So you know, typical is like I'd like an eight ounce piece of uh, a fish. Oh, eight point one. Oh no, I'd like it eight. Cut it seven point nine. I'd like a new one at eight ounces. <laughs> and there was no other piece. And there was no other piece. And I'm like vibrating. What you can't see in this podcast is my. I started to vibrate. I'm like I'm, I'm about to come across this counter. She knew she was gonna get it for free. That's why. That's, that's why. Oh. That's why. So, that's, so she know, got it for free. Not pooping it on Whole Foods, but back in the day, if someone asked for something for free. Or a minor instance, they would just get it, and there was a lot of people that just abused that. Hot tip on a round with Steve yeah, exactly. Gold right there. <laughs> yeah, just completely <laughs> your fish cut. I went 7.9 ounces of that salmon. <laughs> I, this big Cajun hit I me got, with a piece of fish. <laughs> I got uh, I got uh, some BP money, too, and it was because I had worked at Coquette, but I couldn't, I didn't, I wasn't able to demonstrate any loss of income. I that was the, also got some. I got ten thousand dollars. That's how I paid for the birth of my daughter. There you go. Because it, we had I mean, no insurance. People, I paid cash. I drove to Hammond for all my health insurance. I mean, for all my medical needs, and paid the hospital cash because of BP. But I think uh, yeah. yeah so when think, people talk about you know healthcare for everyone, I make sure to tell them the story of no, we paid for our first daughter's goddamn uh, birth. Well, we our, BP our, did. Our, yeah, our, BP <laughs> did. Thank you. Thanks, BP. But yeah, you but did the I first think, one. Th- 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 12 mile limit would not, it would not have been, I wouldn't have been able to, it gave me a lot of cushion. Like I, I was already open by the Busted. time I got the BP money, but I got over the course of a few years because it paid out sort of incrementally for whatever reason. I got like $25,000 wow. out of BP. I, <laughs> they gave it to us all at once. I, uh, so <laughs> did you apply? I, I did. I got rejected because when BP so happened, you, <laughs> yeah. And then it just randomly showed up. Oh my God. I, uh, so with the BP thing, 
I was working at the Bubba Gum Shrimp Company. I worked there for seven years. Wow. It was I thought I was that was my job. Like I, what were you doing I love there? there? I everything. I started off as a um, as a server and host, and then I bartended, and then I worked in the kitchen and I managed, and then I got into this position where they were flying me around the country, like checking corporate specs for different restaurants and opening brand new restaurants. And I love it. I love working for a chain restaurant. I still like chains a whole lot. Um, I just like the way that they do things. Hey, it's like they've, they've no, they found a way. <laughs> you guys are a chain now. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Two restaurants. Sure. Like, hey, find, finding a way to like maximize the restaurant industry, like cracking that nut, like always will fascinate me. So mm. especially like when you don't have great food, like that's, I mean, it sucks I mean, for the industry <laughs> as a whole, but it's just like, how the hell are these don't people making started. millions of dollars? Like it's, it's endlessly fascinating to me. But I was working at Bubba Gums when the oil spill happened. It's a shrimp restaurant so i said right. I'm, I'm screwed like i got to get out of here so i moved to chicago like i used to bounce back between here and chicago i went up to chicago i started making more money working on the navy pier where they had a bubba gums so when you had to show loss of income i was showing a an gain. increase in a gain in income so they're like looks like you made more money but i had two apartments it's like can you prove that no <laughs> <laughs> BP. Uh, yeah, but BP. I think they, they did a lot. I know that uh, uh, Chuck and Charlotte, you worked with Charlotte McGee yeah. Charlotte at Wino. Yeah. Um, and then Chuck worked here for several years yeah. when they were, were starting up their own spot. Debbie does Dobage now over at Bakery Which Bar. I named. Which you, I did not know that you yeah. named really? it. I knew yeah. that the, the, they started selling their... Uh, Char- Charlotte started selling their Dobage at Wino before anywhere else because she worked there, right? Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, we were drunk at the Milan Lounge and uh, me and Charlotte... <laughs> like you do. I Like you do because I lived right over there. Um, and I was like, Charlotte... I mean, we all know Charlotte's beautiful and she was very... Well endowed on top, and, and so I was yeah. like, "You need to do like something that a catchy name, like." And I was thinking of like a reference to Debbie Does Dallas, like as like a sexy thing because she's so beautiful, and and out it came. She gives me credit on her website too. I'm like, "Oh, thanks, girl." <laughs> <laughs> it's a strong association. A lot of people, a lot of people still think she's Debbie, though. Yeah, they That's, do. They're like, "Who's I mean, Debbie?" Yeah, I mean, she is and she isn't, though, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the logo Charlotte. looks very much like like her. her. She's fabulous. Yeah. Yes, no, we, we we love that. That's my boo. Um, but yeah, but they also were able to mm-hmm. build out the bakery that they were originally out of because of BP money. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's three businesses just in this circle of friends right. that may or may not have been possible without, without the BP oil spill. Now let's all talk about the gossip. The, Gulf of Mexico. the gossip of all the servers that got like $80,000 at these high-end restaurants blew it all and then couldn't pay their taxes. Oh. Oh, there was a bunch I of stories. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, there was a bunch of stories went around town. They were like, oh, you owe 20 grand in taxes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> People didn't, people didn't money, treat it like it was taxes. regular income. Oh, yeah. yeah. They were like, it's You can't write money. off cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a business expense when you're a server. Exactly. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I just want me to do my job. Yeah. No, I took. I had a huge... This is one of the... Like, I wasn't expecting it. After the first one, I signed a thing that said, oh, I got $15,000. And yeah. they sent a thing that said, we'll give you another $5,000 if you me waive too. any future claims. Right. So I, I took it. I was like, me well, too. I wasn't expecting any future Fun claims. Sure, I'll take another five. And then the next year, for... Absolutely no reason. They were like, we we looked at our figures and here's another ten thousand dollars. And it was right around the time because I didn't have the money for my taxes that year either. <laughs> and I was you like, were that guy. I was that guy, but they sent me the tax payment. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks, BP. I rather, I'd rather be lucky so than good. Much. Is my point. <laughs> so much hate. Sorry about it. So, so you guys have your own restaurant too. <laughs> yes. That uh, yeah. Thanks, so BP. So we opened the meadery. We opened, yeah. we opened the meadery. So yeah, you opened the the restaurant. Like like I could see. Maybe why uh, French fine dining and the Isaac Toops persona aren't necessarily the best mesh, but you guys had the opportunity to create something that was really 
aligned with your persona and your expertise and your histories. And it really does. It seems, it seems, I mean, it's deeply personal. There's pictures of your family. It's You're, extremely personal. Yeah, not not even a little bit. Yeah. yeah it's extreme. I take it all very personally. Yeah. It, 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 in, a, in a lot of ways, similar to the, the 12 mile limit is sort of like <laughs> the bar extension of me there in a lot go. of right. ways. It's Isaac's tubes, id. Yeah. It's his id. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I, I, I talked about this earlier. I talked about this several times. That, and apparently we, I, I learned today that this was a bit of a double-edged sword. But because there are more than one tubes that are collectively the owners of Toops Meadery. For those of you who aren't aware, Toops Meadery is T-O-U-P-S apostrophe. Not T-O-U-P apostrophe S, because it is owned by a Toops. plural of Toops. <laughs> we are not Toops. We're not Toop. We're, we're, we're the Toops. We're the Toopses. The Toopses, yeah. But that is also, nobody Nobody actually spells it right. No. <laughs> or punctuates it correctly. No, they don't punctuate yeah, it. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. no, they don't. So the process of opening Toops. Uh, oh how did you settle on that location? Xanax. Oh, oh, how did I settle on the location? The location. Yeah. Um, we, <laughs> it fell in our laps. Yeah, it, it actually did fall in our laps. Um, That's awesome. We, we looked at a bunch of different spots. Yeah, yeah. and we, we never looked uptown. I was like, we need to go... S- Isaac and I agreed we need to be somewhere where we're needed like that is kind of a food desert yeah. you know we we why compete with Coquette it's an amazing restaurant why would I open something next to Coquette you know mm-hmm. like why would I open something on Magazine Street why would I open something downtown why would we do that let's go to Mid-City and Mid-City is amazing now yeah. but as you guys know even when you came in call me Mid-City was rough around the edges still I mean yeah, that, five years mm-hmm. ago when Dixie was not there yeah. there, was a, there was a bunch of bombed out buildings still from Katrina around I mean you know Broad was tough yeah. mm-hmm. and you know although there's wealthy people that live behind the metery that was attractive to me that there was some money behind the metery mm-hmm. in that neighborhood but there wasn't i was like who am i competing with across the street was fellini's like that's gross <laughs> so like we don't talk about the dead honey unless it's good <laughs> yeah, yeah so i mean we I, we walked in there and we went we could do it here yeah. and yeah. we were initially going to open a deli we, we were, were we were going to open a Cajun deli. Like, that's what I thought it was when I saw the sign. Like, people did. People still think that the original name was like, well, it's yeah. going to be a butcher shop deli. We're going to be a butcher shop and a deli. Huh. But it had a liquor license. And we were like, we'd be real fucking stupid not to sell, <laughs> like to not to have a bar up in here. I mean, you know, in the restaurant business. So, uh, and then Isaac really had to sit down and admit to himself and admit to me, he still wanted to plate food. We thought we're going to do sandwiches. We're going to have the baby behind the bar. You know, like we're going to be, you know, slinging boudin and cracklins and sandwiches with the kid on and, a hip. And, and, and all my ideas ended up being like on a plate. And I'm like, okay, stop. Everybody stop. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to reimagine this. And we it's, did. It's, it, we did. And, and, you know, yeah, we opened up with some stupid shit that we opened up. You know, we, we you open up a restaurant. We could do a restaurant. You open up, you fall on your face, you get back up, yep. you take your plan, your original plan, you throw it away because it's stupid and then you adjust, you adapt mm. and overcome. Yeah. And that's, that's what restaurateur, and I know you know, Cole, that, yeah, you open up a place. I'm going to do this. That's stupid. Let's try something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think gotta be adaptable. Yeah, one of the one of the big, the death knells I think for for restaurants and bars is when you are t- too beholden to your opening concept. Correct. That is like I think this is this is what I want to do. Come hell or high water, right? And I will go down with the ship. I don't care if it's not making money. Right. This is what I want it to be. And if it's not that, then it's nothing. Right. Like, <laughs> you feel very passionately about yeah. that. Yeah. Now, now there there's some give and take. Like I remember when I used to throw away lamb necks. Because people, people wouldn't would, buy them. People yeah. wouldn't buy them. People, they, they were scared. We open with oh, the lamb neck. I love lamb neck. Of it's so delicious. That, that lamb neck is the same lamb neck that's been on them for five years. And it's great now, but people people wouldn't order it. And mm. people, we used to not even have a burger. 
No, we had menu. we would have people come in when we first opened, look at the menu, go, that's too weird, and stand up and leave. Yeah. We, yeah. You guys have the best burger, too. We do have one oh of the my best. God. Yes, we have, yes, Soup <laughs> Meadery has the best burger. 845 North <laughs> Carrollton Avenue. <laughs> I, I am not usually... A, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. It's a, it's a fine burger. It's a but fine I don't burger. usually... Best, you know, I, mean, I don't usually I get on board <laughs> with uh, blended meat burgers. So I'm it's like... All beef. That's my burger by default. But you guys, it's uh, what do you what do you make something? A little andouille or something like that? No, no, no. It's, it's just straight pork fat. So uh-huh. we take brisket and we trim all the brisket fat off. And back in the day, I was like, well, how much brisket fat did we trim off? Well, about this much, but about a fifth. Well, add a fifth back of pork fat because I'm sick and I'm caging and I wanted to do that. <laughs> and it ended up being like the proper maneuver. And yeah, like the burgers drippy. <laughs> and, and and it's sloppy in the last two bites you're gonna need another napkin but it's it, i stand by it. and that that original burger never never hasn't changed once every no. once in a while every once in a while you get something right the first time that was that's a perfect example hmm. every every other thing takes like three months to get right we had a customer complain their burger was too juicy that day. i was like get the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> Your burger Goodness. he yeah. was like the person next to me wasn't as juicy i was like he ordered it well I had somebody, I was waiting tables over at Latitude the other night, and I had somebody complain about our dumplings, the vegetable dumplings that we do, uh, which I think are very good. Um, and she's like, it just tastes weird. They're so weird right now. I don't know. They're just weird. I can't eat these. It's like, oh, um, why are they so weird? Because as a server, I always want to know. If somebody's complaining Correct. about something, I'm going to take it off your check, but I need you to vocalize what what is wrong with this thing. And and this customer just said, well, it tastes like butter and mushroom. Mm. What is mm. weird about <laughs> <laughs> like, Sounds great. Sounds good I'm to so me. hung up about that. It's just like, it's, it's And that doesn't it bother delicious. you the rest of the night? Like, I, I get, like, whenever there's complaints, like, I take it home. I'm like, I'm pissed. Nah. <laughs> Take it home. I've, now I'm over it. Really? Oh, we're yeah, still talking about it. That, I don't think you're over it. <laughs> you just you stirred the pot. It just came to the surface. You know. You know. I like to say. You know, this industry would be so much better if it wasn't for the goddamn customers. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> we actually have really amazing and really loyal customers. Like they eat with us regularly. Yeah. That's the uh, that's the blessing of working here at Twelve Mile. I've never had the opportunity to work in a, in a uh, neighborhood bar, and I drank here for years and years and years. Sure. And now it's like you know I know. 60% to like 80% of all the customers who come in here. So, I mean, like this, this job for me is, I mean, I love working here and everything, but it really is the customers for me. I really like that's, that's, that's a nice balance and everything like that. Cause I'm also downtown and then we have some regulars, but it's mostly, you know, people from out of town. Sure. Just, anywho. <laughs> yeah. So meter is now, uh, five and a half years old. Five and a half. Five and a half. Cool. Yeah. All right. And the meter, uh, Got you the opportunity to be on the TV a little bit. Yeah, you know, um, I kind of forgot how it came, but I'd done a bunch of other videos. Um, yeah. I did a uh, Fuck That's Delicious with Action Bronson. That, yeah. that's, I still get props for that. That came out before. And then I did some d- videos for uh, Vice. Tasting Table. Tasting Table. Yeah. I did a Dirty Rice video in which I was way too drunk and made Dirty Rice. That ended <laughs> up blowing up. Great. <laughs> so I make, I make it a point now when I'm, when I'm on camera to start drinking a little bit and it always comes out great. It was also after your second James Beard nomination. They very much follow that. Top Chef literally looks at the nominations and then starts calling them. Mm. Okay. Because that's so what they you, want. Did you have to audition for Top Chef? That's that, that, for, for those who might not be aware, uh, Isaac here was a finalist. So not just a fan a, favorite. Fan favorite. Fan favorite. A, 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 but a, a a, a very successful contestant to the degree, and to the degree that you've been able to parlay that into continued, uh, a continued media presence. Yeah, you'll never t- you, you'll never hear me talk bad about Top Chef, baby, because uh, it, uh, it did wonderful things for us. That's did you like, did, uh, did you have to audition for Top Chef? You do a bunch of skypes, so yes, okay. Huh? So you get there and, and you do kind of like what we're doing here. They ask you questions and you go ah da 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 da, da and they're like God, we love you. I'm like why? <laughs> Weirdo. They do, they put you through an interview process. 
And, you know, they do a bunch of Skypes and they make sure, that, you know, uh, you're not a, a, a complete psychopath. I mean, you're going to put your chefs, you're going to have some psychopaths. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, good, good cooking does not a TV show make. You know, you have personality. Well, and we denied them for like two months. We did. They yeah. harassed oh. the shit out of us. Wow. They were literally calling every other day. Isaac, we want you. An email. And I don't hear that a whole lot, so. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it twice last night. Oh. <laughs> so what was the uh, turning point when you decided this is something I kind of want to do? I, I I didn't want to do it. No. Didn't want to do we it. The whole time? No. The, ho- the whole time. Okay. Didn't want to do it. Um, But I went to talk to uh, my friend Justin DeVillier. Mm-hmm. And Justin said, man, you're never going to have a problem filling up your restaurant again. And I knew Justin had made it like right around halfway through. Uh, so I'm like, oh, and that was it. That was it right there. Cause I'd do anything to make sure my business is successful. And that makes, that takes me making a jackass out of myself on TV. Then so be it. Yeah. <laughs> was there any, uh, trepidation that you had? I mean, you're a great, great chef, of course. Uh, but did you have any trepidation that like, what if I'm the first person eliminated? What if oh, I'm yeah. that person? Who just, oh, yeah. Like, that, you know? That's, that's, that's everybody's here. Everybody gets there and everybody's like, Somebody's going home today. Somebody's going home today, and they still have to stay there because you don't get sent home. You mm. still have to stay there, and somebody's going to get nothing for this for yeah. eight weeks. So, mm. so for, for for two months, you're going to sit in a hotel room thinking that you were that guy, and I wasn't that guy. Thank God, but everybody thinks that. Is there a stipend or anything that you get? Like no. while you're there, no, you're just no. chilling in a hotel. No, no. Room. If, if you don't win prize money, you get no money. Wolf. <laughs> Wow. Extreme sequestration. Mm-hmm. Top Chef, that's, for that's whatever reason, I'm not sure exactly what it is that Top Chef is doing differently, but it's one of the, I think, the most respected shows in the culinary world. That's one of the, like, because there's a million shows about cooking. There's a whole, the networks and networks and networks yeah. dedicated to cooking. Um, and I, that was the show, though, that, when I worked in a when I worked in a place with a with an extensive kitchen, everyone in the back of the house watched Top Chef. Everyone followed it. Everyone knew who got sent home every week, and even before we knew people who were on it, before Justin was on, it, before you were on it, that was that everyone talked about it. Everyone was up to date on Top Chef, and no, like nobody watched um any like anything else, anything else. I turned them all down. I turned the rest of them down. They they, they called me up. I forget who they chopped were. Chopped and chopped yeah. and guys go for dreams and I'm like no nah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that I don't want to do that but we, you're right but when top chef came along I'm like uh, we, now we should think about this mm-hmm. th- th- this this is serious a lot of people do watch this oh god do I have to go do this and I had a friend who's a respected food writer uh in New York and I I asked my friends who are writers I'm like what do you think are we making a right move are we going to we're going to be a joke are we going you know is like is this going to bring our reputation down in the culinary world and uh she said you may lose respect among your peers, but you will gain some customers. You'll gain some customers. We're like, like, I screw I my peers. Yeah. <laughs> the peers aren't paying Those the bills. Assholes. Yeah, I was like, I don't give two fucks what yeah. <laughs> what our peers think about us. The peers don't pay the bills, man. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, fighter pilot. Low flying. It's the Top Chef yeah. jet, everybody. <laughs> they They're know we're forward. talking about him. We signed contracts. Pad, 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 Padma's got the outside. aviators on. Holding <laughs> in. Huh. Talk about Padma later. Yeah. I, right. Yes, we can. I would like to meet her. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Yes, right? I Dunning. did. It's Dunning, but she also just seems really smart and like sophisticated. Yes. and All man, that. All that. Okay. How different is it? Well, what goes on behind the scenes that you can talk about that oh. is something that people might not know about the Top Chef experience? Well, you know, I mean, it, you're, you're just, you're all, you're in your own head. You've got no, I mean, you know, you're not watching anybody else cook. You don't know what they've cooked. You don't, you know, you don't, you just don't know. There's, there's so much tension and the, the way they do Top Chef without getting too much information is like, no one knows when you go to the judges table, who's done good and who's done bad. Hmm. You all think you've done bad. You all think <laughs> you're going home. 
and while you know won some challenges, uh, always eat, everybody on the show is like winning challenge is great. Not going home is better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. right on. So uh, life before, life after Top Chef at the restaurants. Really different. Really different. Uh, really night different. and day. Uh, Top Chef got us so much business. I mean, it just put it puts you out there nationally. I mean, you know, uh, I won a little bit of money because for a fan favorite. But the money we got for custom, for asses and seats, for all intents and purposes, I mean, I was on national television for mm-hmm. six months. Good God, that's millions of dollars worth of advertising. Yeah. So it got us so much business that we actually got to open up Tube South, our second restaurant. Right on. Does it increase the pressure that you have to present a product at that point as well, too? Like, do you think, I mean, food's great, once again, to begin with. But at that point, do you think there's this national audience? They're coming no. here with this huge expectations or just business as usual? No. It's, it's always been this. It's, yeah. uh, my my pressure is always in the same. Mm-hmm. It's just the amount of customers we have increased. Awesome, that's, that's great. That was the great. That was the great part. It's like, wow, we we had, now people we trust hold, me. Yeah, when I'm next. We had <laughs> standards that that were high before, so there, it wasn't like we needed to raise our standards great. in any capacity. It was cool. It was just now let's handle the volume. Yeah, and we felt like real assholes for turning away customers that have been supporting us for like four and five years. I'm like, I don't have it. I don't yeah. have a table inside or out. I can sit you on my head. That's the only place yeah. I can sit. <laughs> I still feel like an asshole. Tubes, <laughs> yeah. Tubes is tiny. How many seats is? Well, in okay. The well, it's interesting. Or? If the weather's good. We're 40 seats inside plus 10 at the bar, and then I've got 30 seats on the patio. Mm -hmm. We can go all the way up from a 40-seat restaurant to essentially an 80-seat restaurant. Mm -hmm. So it doubles your capacity. So when the weather's good, I can go up to 80 seats. When the weather's not good or it's raining. when the weather is good. Yeah, when it's not raining, it's too hot or it's too cold. We're a 40-seat restaurant. So, I mean, yeah. And we were booking two and three months in advance. So it it was wild for a while. I'd love to have them back. Right <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any advice for, for future Top Chef contestants? Anything that you can... Because so much of what you did, it just seemed like you were being yourself. And that's why they want, That's why they were breaking down your doors. Because they yeah. knew that you were just a crazy motherfucker. Yeah, thank you. That's the nicest thing anyone said to me today. <laughs> and I love my wife. Um, no, I mean, yeah. Advice for future stars? Yeah, be yourself. And hopefully yourself is entertaining. Because I didn't do any acting. I, that what you see on Top Chef is me. What the food you saw is me. Just a normal old smart ass motherfucker. <laughs> to, quote, to quote T. Cole. <laughs> I don't think that's what I said. But <laughs> close enough. Sorry, ADD. That's a crazy ass. Crazy. Same, smart ass too. Same. But same. Yeah. It was a super crazy Don't be boring. And we've had like strange experiences in public where Isaac and I were dining at a restaurant and people were videoing us eat. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was like, she's. Autographs? Do you have to sign autographs for people? No, it's selfies now. Selfies. Selfies. Okay. I take a lot of selfies. I'm, I'm, I'm you take, you, in the yeah, wrong there, generation. There's some, there's some <laughs> autographs. Sure. Yeah. People want their menu signed. The most thing I sign. Right. But everybody else wants to you know. Like, Can I get a selfie with you? Can I get a selfie, 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 selfie. Are you ever like, I need those menus for my customers. Right. <laughs> no. It's definitely no. slowed down. I mean, it's not like in the peak uh, top chefs. I mean, we were in an airport with two crying kids one time, and this lady literally chased us down in the airport to take a selfie with Isaac. Whoa. And right. I was like, kids and, crying, and I got kids con- crying kids. I'm in an airport like you want to be patient and lovely to people but you're like bitch <laughs> she's one of our listeners yeah, exactly. I was like, Girl. That, that one person yeah, like, there, there's a, on. mo- nine times out of ten people are very respectful oh, so there's also one out of some ten weirdos. Right. weirdos we had somebody post what they thought was an image of our home on twitter yeah. They were like, Isaac Tubes lives here. And I'm like, I got two little girls. I didn't take kindly to that. Yeah. It looked like our house, but it wasn't our house. But it looked just like our house. That's that pretty creepy. Really and, I'm a, yeah. and I'm a psychopath who's armed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come to my house. <laughs> I mean, they were saying something nice. We're like, oh, isn't this great? Isaac lives right here. I was no, like, don't do that. No, don't no. do that. That's, no, no. no. 
That'd be really weird if there was like a New Orleans, like like how they do star tours and like in like <laughs> yeah, Hollywood. If there was like yeah. a chef store in New Orleans, right. we, we and this a, is where Isaac Toops woke up in the gutter one day. <laughs> we had an interesting uh, guy reach out to us. He was doing Isaac's voice in Brazil for Top Chef, <laughs> and he reached out to us. He was like, "I just want to tell you, I enjoy you so much." And he's like, "I'm doing your voiceover in Brazil." <laughs> I kind of want to watch that. I know Isaac and in Portuguese. To, yeah, <laughs> I saw some of the video. I was like, okay. And then uh, we had a guy come through. He flew in. Um, from uh, Singapore and wanted a selfie with me. He's like, you're the woman behind the man. And I was like, Whoa. what? Get, get, you, get you some, babe. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, okay, all right, babe. Right on. Right. Um, so anyway. you, yeah, uh, you said that, okay, so in what way did Shop, Top Chef make Toop South possible? I mean, you want to talk a little bit about a Toop South? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, Toop South is uh, it's kind of like you know, round two. And round two allowed me to go like, you know what? I've been doing like, not straight Cajun, uh, but contemporary Cajun. But South allowed me to go like, I've been having a bunch of these ideas. I had half the menu at South already written before we even thought about it. Because like, the pork chop dish at South is different from the pork chop dish at Meadery. Is that Can't, the stack? The stack. The stack. Because I've been having the stack in my brain for years, <laughs> but I'm not going to take the, the pork chop with the dirty rice off at the Meadery. They burn it down. I would burn that restaurant right, down. That right. double cut pork chop. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's near triple cut nowadays. Let's not, let's yeah. not lie. <laughs> you know it. It's, 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 it's bigger than my fist and it's a big hand. But no, South allowed me to go like, you know what? I'm, I want to do some Caribbean flavors. The things I wouldn't think about to do in meadery because people are like, yeah, that's not what they come for. Mm-hmm. And let me do some like, oh, you know what? I got Aaron Franklin's barbecue pit at the back. Let me do some barbecue, which we had never done. At the same time, we're not doing butts and ribs. We're doing you know smoked goat tamales and smoked foie gras, smoked run on Dewey. Um, but it allowed me to just kind of get out of my self-contained Cajun vibe and be like, you know what? Let's do contemporary Southern, which is another name, which is something else I just made up. Mm-hmm. I think we also got to, uh, as you, you guys know, when you come in the meter, it's, it's very rustic. I mean, it's very much, it's very masculine. It's very rustic. And I think South gave me a voice to be a little sexier, I think, in the front. It's definitely a sexier restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got wallpaper. we got color, lots of color. Whereas, like, you know, the meadery is sort of like the Cajun stabbing cabinet. I mean, it's just like, I mean, that's what we joking <laughs> refer to it as. It's like, you know. Um, I, love, I love your restaurant more. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas South, I think, is, is a little more sophisticated looking. I think we've yeah. taken a little more sophisticated approach to even, like, fonts on the menus and, and like, the way we've laid out things and, like, given us a... a a moment to to be grown up, be a little more grown up. Like we're still that wily teenager on Carrollton Avenue, which is great. I don't want that to ever change. But I think South gave us a moment to be, you know, we're pushing. It's a little more sophisticated. Yeah. We're pushing forty. You know, yeah. it was um, it was a little surreal. Like the whole. I'm sorry, Motac. Uh, it's the Southern Food and Beverage Museum. Part of me uh, is where Tube South is. Right. It's, it's mm-hmm. attached to it. There's a big curtain that separates the two entities. Uh, so for me, it's very surreal because uh, we there used to be the Museum of the American Cocktail in the back of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum when it was on the Riverwalk Mall, mm-hmm. and that's where I met most of the bartenders who are now really close friends of mine because there used oh, to be this thing called Motac Mondays where we'd go and volunteer and we'd get to meet. Uh, these like famous bartenders who would give like speeches or not presentations rather about like their various topics and things like that. So the bar that is your bar is actually where they would present everything at. So every oh, time really? that I go there and I sit at that bar, yeah. it's a very surreal experience because that was never a functional bar. It was just for presentation, and it's a super old historical Second bar. Second oldest too. in the city. Yep, yep. It Two was uh, Br- Brunings. Oh. Yeah, yeah, Brunings. Brunings. That's Brunings. it. Sal- uh, salvage from the hurricane, I think. Hurricane George. Hurricane yeah. George. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Um, the hurricane. <laughs> the hurricane. <laughs> yeah, when you say the hurricane, it, 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 people right? think Katrina. It's, it's, it's right, right. Yeah. 
Um, so uh, I guess the question that I have, um, Aretha Castle Haley. So there's we we have a really great episode that we talked about uh, real estate and prospecting on real estate, and I think that's one of the things that we have to like worry about. I'm sure you looked at plenty of locations uh, when opening the original tubes, and I'm not sure we could talk about like how Tube South worked out. But I'm in the process of trying to like look at a place for myself, and I'm always looking at corporate real estate, and it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It has been crazy over the past couple of years. It's starting to come down a little bit right now, but finding that right location is like really difficult. Aretha Castle Haley was that place where I think it was like, this is going to be an amazing, like, you know, business opportunity for everybody. We're going to create this, like, avenue with all these different businesses. And it's been to various degrees of success. Correct. What's so, it like being over there? Um, it, I love it. Mm-hmm. I think there's a perception, um, like, we were talking about this before we were recording. Mid-City was not what it is now. So, um we very much wanted to do the same thing. We're like, let's go in and be an anchor somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I believe in that neighborhood. They have high ownership of homes there, which I always think is great, which people feel invested in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. They've really cleaned up. We've got brand new streets, brand new sidewalks. The police station, for Christ's sake, is around the corner. Like, I, I have never felt more safe in a neighborhood. Um, we've been there a year. We've never we, had a problem. We've ne- I've had more it issues. It does in, have this stigma. It does have a stigma. We, I've had more issues in Mid-City. And I've got... $2 million homes behind our restaurant, you know? Um, we've had zero problems. In fact, anything but. It's always been, like, the people in the neighborhood supporting us, and a younger vibe is is coming up in there. It's a traditional African-American neighborhood, um, which we also wanted to be a part of. I mean, they embraced us when we came in. There is a stigma, I think, for some people um, in the city who feel like it's not safe to be there, mm-hmm. especially in the evenings. Again, I cannot reiterate enough. Like, I mean, if people go hang out on Ferret, child. Mm-hmm. Ferret, yeah. as we yeah. all know, Back 10 years days. ago was was a brutal. Yeah. It was not yeah. the new Ferret yet. No, no. And I think, no, we haven't had like the six and seven different restaurants open up near us. We need a bar. That's on, a really good point. On that street. Yeah. We yeah. need a cocktail bar. Yeah. Um, that's what we need. I think that would be something else that... How long? Yeah, can you get in? Can you get in tomorrow? Uh, How's that BP money working out? Yeah, for yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. BP. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so for us... Uh, it was also an easier transition because the restaurant space was already there. It used to be a restaurant called Perlu. So the equipment was there. The build-out was there. We didn't have to build out, which allowed us to open up with less funds. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really just came in and polished it up and redecorated. Me and my main gay went in and we got some wallpaper and we, we made it work. And I will say the, uh, the redecorating that you did in there... Uh, you made that space like I had gone to Perlu. Uh, I used to know the bartender was running Perlu when they first opened up, and it was a very stoic, very drab kind of space. Right. The changes that you've made in there has made that space very warm, it's which colorful. I thought was impossible. I also put it's, it's ten a weird grand space. on the ceiling and yeah. soundproofing. Okay, well, that because that it was helped. an echo chamber. It was like yeah. an airport hangar, so that was part of it for me. And I, and it was like hard lessons we had learned at the metery where it was so loud in there, and for so many times. And now it kind of just makes it fun. I've put enough soundproofing in the metery. That um, that that it was a hard lesson to learn. Where like customers are complaining, and you're right, it's a, it was a roar in the metery for years, and mm-hmm. now it's it's now just fun. Yeah. But uh, so it was important for me to to spend that money, you mm-hmm. know, to do that part of it, and um, and we've we've had you know a pretty good amount of success there. But again, I think it's uh, the tourists come. I think it's winning over the locals. We did culinary in August, and um, and all, it was all locals, of course, and they were like, "This is great." I'm like, "Yeah, where the fuck you been?" Yeah, here? No, y'all, no, y'all ran a super no dope shit. culinary too. Yeah, we did. We, there, we but... didn't cut any corners on it because yeah. we wanted to show the locals. We're like, "We're here. This is a safe neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Support us in this space." You know, yeah. I think like a bar, and then like. Uh, a festival there would be like like some block party would be really great. They've over there done as well. it and people don't come. Don't show. Hmm. Central City Fest. Central City Fest. Yeah, exactly. Never heard of it. 
Oh, that's a thing. Oh, uh-huh. I thought you were just coming up with something. <laughs> no. I thought your trademark is something. No. We have to do our own. We'll do Toops Fest. Yeah, Toops Fest. Toops Fest. I love it. But we're, but we're making Fest. it there and we love it. And we're, right. I'm proud of it. I mean, in fact, I think that the food is as good as maybe better than the meadery. No, What'd you say? You <laughs> I, I, I love it because I thought that when y'all were opening Toops South, it was just going to be. Uh, just going to be toops in a different neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really understand that. And then when I went there to eat, and every time I've been there since, it's just like, this is great. They're really, really contrasting, mm-hmm. like very different presentations. I mean, they're both delicious for very different reasons. But I, I feel like I can kind of cater different occasions to go to both restaurants. Like right. there's, a, I hope so. there's somebody I want to go to to go to Toops Meadery on Carrollton, and there's some people I want to go to to Toops South. And, you know. Well, thank you. Yeah, I wouldn't open up another meadery probably in the city. I might open up another meadery somewhere else, but, you know. Yeah. One, just, one's enough. Just go someplace where they don't have good food, like the rest of the country or something. Like that. Just crush it, Isaac. You I'll, got hey. this. You got this. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take the compliment. Yeah. So, are there any plans for? Uh, yeah. What, what do you got in the hopper? That you? That's, that's, our book. Our book's yeah, we, gonna be we, out. We, we, got, oh. we got chasing the gator coming out. Wait, uh, chasing the gator? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, because we have a little, little bit of a drug reference. I mean, shit, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac has a full gator tattooed on his back, so yeah. that's sort of the. Sure. Uh, you know, and we, we're always exploring different uh, things. You know, we got catering is, uh, is 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 good right now, and we're always trying to different aspects. Anyway, anyway, people give me money, bring it on. Uh, you know, TV. Who knows that that might that might come about, and you know, and everything. We pretty much uh, we'd like to do anything and everything that comes our way. We want to retire. I don't want to die on the line. <laughs> don't let me die on the line. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, we're not gonna do it. Yeah, so we we just we we try and uh, stay like open to whatever comes our way. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, your two girls, when they grow up, one takes tubes. Uh, no, tubes other, no. One takes no. I, 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 I tell Isaac all the time, I didn't do drugs or drink while I was pregnant, but I get scholarships to school. Because <laughs> I'm thinking of getting off payroll at 18 and yeah. then uh, and get a good job. I think the thing is you just have to make it look not fun. I mean, I always thought my dad's restaurant was a lot of fun. The chefs were really cool. And yeah. The bartender was really nice when I was doing my homework at the bar. and like, No, I'm going to make my kids' fingers bleed with peeling shrimp. Yeah. That's what he made me do, and I—that's—that's—that's that's, oh, that's that, the that, mistake. That, that's that the mistake. You thought it was fun. <laughs> Hundred pounds of shrimp a day. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. well, like, that's, that's a that's a thanks, Dad. Make you're your not, children's you're never gonna this, fingers bleed. That's yeah. the message here. <laughs> Welcome to the bone. I was told my six-year-old if you ain't in school, you better have a job, even when you're six. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, y'all. I think that's going to bring us to the end of this episode of Around with Supergirl. We really want to thank our two guests. Oh, thank you for uh, having Amanda us. Amanda and Isaac. Guys. This was a really fantastic episode. I appreciate everything that you guys do around Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Thank uh, you. We do like to wrap up with a little closing segment we like to call uh, Parting Shots. It's basically your opportunity to reintroduce yourself to our listenership as well as talk about anything, any any final thoughts or any last little plugs you might want to put in. So let's go ahead and start. Okay. Well, I'm Amanda Toops, um, co-owner uh, with my husband Isaac Toops of Toops South and Toops Meadery. And um, I just want to thank you guys for being here. And, and, and also, I think it's important to um, shout out for all the women in our industry. I think that their voice yeah. is not as uh, loud in the city. Um, so I appreciate you letting me give my little perspective. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And I'm Isaac Toops, uh, co-owner of Toops Meadery in Toops South, Mid-City and uh, Central City, respectively. And I just want to say, summer is over. Bring on the customers. <laughs> <laughs> Screw the slow season. Amen. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. No. And yeah. Thanks for thanks for coming on. I really I, I appreciate your guys' philosophy, the 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 family attitude that you guys have at your places, the um, low give a shit factor, the low give a shit factor, but the ability to just kind of roll with the punches, to to come with May and just work work with what you get. I mean, a lot of and I we 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 opened right around the same time that 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 Toops did. 
uh, here at 12 Mile Limit. And I think we've sort of, well, we're doing very, very different concepts. I, I guess not entirely different because we're doing meats and you guys are doing meats. and uh, but Meats, meat, meats, right? meats, <laughs> meats, 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 and booze. Yeah, meats and booze. That's what we do. Yeah. It's very similar. Um, so maybe it is pretty similar. But I, I think that uh, just philosophically, I think you guys are, are, are well aligned with what we're doing here. Where Agreed. it's just being being good people and yeah. making good stuff and, and just taking it as it comes. Yeah. So I really, I'm glad you guys are part of the community. I'm really, it, it, it cheers my heart to see you guys doing so well. You too, buddy. Making it up there in the world. Thanks, right guys. On. And I just want to say, uh, our listenership right now is about 40% uh, in Louisiana and New Orleans and 6% outside. To the 40% in New Orleans, if you have not been to Tube's Meter, if you have not been to Tube South, what the hell are you doing with your life? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> What's wrong together. with you? God. Go now. Make a reservation. Thank Summer's you. over. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for the 60% of the people who are uh, international as well as do not live in Louisiana, um, thanks for listening, for one. But two, when you come to New Orleans, get out of the French Quarter. Go explore some places. Uh, these are two great restaurants, one in an upcoming neighborhood, one in a really fantastic neighborhood. I live in Mid-City, 12 Mile Limits up here in Mid-City. There's lots of stuff to do, and it just gives you a real perspective of the heart and the culture and the health of this city, being able to go into these neighborhoods and experience what the locals really enjoy. So check out Toops next time you're in town. Um, you're going to have a great time. I absolutely guarantee it. And it's going to do us pretty good here on Around with Stephen Cole. I'm yeah. Steve Yamada. I'm T. Cole Newton. Thanks a lot for listening. Yeah. Bye. Bye, y'all. Bye. Theme music for Around with Stephen Cole is by Derek Freeman. Support for Around with Stephen Cole comes from Infinium Spirits, a family-owned spirits company specializing in the import, sales, and marketing of its distinctive portfolio of brands. Infinium Spirits, igniting brands. Thanks again to everyone for listening. We'll catch you next time. Cheers. I can tell by your body, you've always been a hottie. I really want